again to another edition of Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministries to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. This is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Now, welcome again, Mike Sandlin. Hi, I'm Mike Sandlin with Cape Fear Men, and I thank you for joining us today. You know, over the years, if you have been involved in church studies for any length of time, you may have heard someone talk or use the word apologetics. Many are confused with the terminology and its meaning, and especially someone who is new to the Christian faith and who have never truly been involved in Christian studies. Well, today, I think we're going to talk with two individuals, can enlighten us and help us out with, uh, with the word and the understanding of what apologetics is all about. This week, we're going to be talking with John Zeno, uh, the Executive Director of Coastal Apologetics Network, and Tom Chasky, who's the Campus Director with uh, Rochelle Christie at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. But before we get started with our conversation with our guests, let me share a little bit about each one of them. Tom has served as the Director of Rochelle Christie in Wilmington since 2014 helping students ask good questions and seek good answers about the Christian faith. He holds a Juris Doctorate in, from Campbell University, a Master of Divinity from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and a Master's in Christian Apologetics from Biola University. Tom is also a part of the Coastal Apologetics Network. John is currently an engineering manager at GE Apache Nuclear in Wilmington, North Carolina, and has uh, 35 years of experience in the nuclear science and technology fields. He holds a BS in nuclear engineering at North Carolina State University, and I won't hold that against him, and a Master of Science in, in, in Radiological Physics uh, from Georgia uh, Institute of Technology, and a doctorate or PhD in nuclear engineering also from Georgia Tech. John's actually involved in Rochelle Christie himself. Uh, in the ministry at UNCW, both teaching and lecturing on topics related to the, the intersection of science and Christian faith. John holds a part-time uh, faculty position at UNCW teaching uh, first-year seminar classes for University College and Honors College in Science, Philosophy, and Religion. John, Tom, thanks for joining me today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good. You know, I always ask my guys, uh, guess two questions as we get started with the, the topic of the day. And I want to ask those same questions to you. Uh, John, we'll start with you, if you don't mind, since okay. uh, you're you're right there next to me as I look at look at you on the screen, so to speak. But um, what is a verse that may be special to you or God is using right now in your life to, to speak uh, speaking to you, if you don't mind sharing that and a little bit about what that verse means to you? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm glad you uh, gave us a little heads up on that when we uh, were talking to you earlier. Um, yeah, we, we've been studying a lot in the book of Romans lately, um, and uh, it's a pretty familiar verse, Romans 12, 2, uh, not to be uh, conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing right. of your mind. Um, it's, it's a verse that a lot of apologetics uh, individuals, you know, will, will cite or look at. And and uh, it's interesting, the, I can remember reading that verse for the first time over 20 years ago uh, when I was still very early in my, in my, my Christian walk. And, you know, and, and, and the way I thought about it and recognizing that, you know, as a Christian, we're supposed to think differently, you know, than the world and not be, not be you know, pushed into the mold that the world is trying to push you into. 
Um, but a as time has gone on, I've started to realize the, the, the real significance of that verse. Um, what we see today in Christian circles, um, and in particularly on, let's say, college campuses or um, in secular environments is um, that, that idea that the world is trying to push you into its mold has, really has never been truer than it is today. And we see this with a lot of the college students where they, they are just inundated with a culture of, of, uh, of postmodernism and relativism and, um, and in some cases even Marxism. And it really is a force to be reckoned with. It really is trying to push people into that mold. Um, and, and scripture is very clear about not allowing us to you know, be, be pushed into that mold, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I think as apologetics, uh, people that are apologists or people that are involved with apologetics, we really do emphasize uh, the life of the mind. And, um, and so I think that's a verse that has sort of changed over time with the way I've looked at it. And it's become more and more meaningful to me because of that, because of what I see going on every day, um, not just with young people, even adults, even older senior adults who, are, who may not even realize how much they're being influenced by secular uh, thoughts and ideas and how they're creeping into the church, even creeping into the pastoral ministries, creeping into Sunday schools and worship groups. And so yeah, that verse has really um, has sort of come back around on me after after many years. I think it really points to the fact that scripture really is living and active. It's not a static thing. Um, and the more you study it, the more it, you know the, the Spirit reveals the truth of those of those uh, of those words in Scripture to you. And so uh, I've just found that really uh, just so fascinating to see. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And uh, I guess in terms of my own, uh, your your second question was sort of my own. A personal testimony or, you know, my, uh, yeah, my, yeah, yeah go ahead with that. Uh, yeah. I'll keep it brief. Um, so yeah, um, yeah please, please uh, give us the reader side just first. You there you mind. go. <laughs> with me, I think that was the problem. But I uh, came to Christ um, as a teenager, born and raised in New York, never really had a strong Christian influence in my life and got saved um, at basically at a, uh, a tent revival in Myrtle Beach uh, on Easter Sunday, uh, spring of 1978. I didn't realize what it had meant, and um, not until a few years later when I met uh, a woman in college who eventually would become my wife, um, who took me to church and helped me to understand what, what had happened to me that day. And, um, and, I, and I think it's uh, you know, been on the, the path of sanctification ever since, but it was kind of an interesting experience uh, to have uh, received Christ in that way and now to be growing in my faith as, as I get older. Okay, we're good. How about you, Tom? Well, one of my favorite verses has been um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, uh, which basically says in him talking about Christ, um, it says uh, um, that God in him, well, here, here we go. I just, uh, I had it and then I, uh, I got all caught up in John's testimony and uh, forgot the verse. God made him, here, here it is, God made him, to be sin who knew no sin so that in that in him we might become the righteousness of God through Christ. And this kind of ties into my testimony because I grew up in a faith tradition that um, did not believe in imputed righteousness and that the righteousness of Christ uh, gets imputed to us, but really more of an imparted righteousness that we actually had to be righteous in order for God to um, look favorably on us in order 
um, for us to be able to enter heaven. And so the faith tradition I grew up in uh, was very sacramental. You had to do be involved in these sacraments. And when doing that, you receive grace. So it's very much a doing and a receiving rather than the fact of just resting in what Christ has done uh, in his death and in his resurrection. And that uh, basically in the great exchange, our sin was imputed to Christ and he wound up paying for that on the cross. And then his perfect life and his righteousness has been imputed to us. And so it's based on that and on that alone that uh, we can be accepted by God, that we are fully accepted by God, that we don't need to strive in order to be accepted by God. And that was really transformational for me. Just this, I think similarly, Martin Luther had a similar struggle um, mm -hmm. on the precipice of the Great Reformation. Um, this idea of being righteous, we can never be righteous, but if we're not trying to be righteous and we just receive um, by grace through faith, Christ's righteousness, that we can be fully accepted uh, and beloved in, in God. So that 2 Corinthians 5.21 um, has always uh, been special to me. Okay. What about your testament? What's your story about coming to Christ? What's that Reader Digest version like? Reader's Digest is, is that I was faithful in um, the, the faith tradition that I grew up in, but it was very, like I said, very works-oriented. Uh, um, and it was actually in law school that I came to faith in Christ, oddly enough. I attended a Bible study where for the first time um, I saw the application of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago to what that meant to me today. And similarly to John's testimony, I also met a girl who later became my wife who was a believer, and we started having faith conversations. And that summer I also wound up purchasing my very first Bible and reading it on my own for the first time. So wow. all wow. of those, um, the Holy Spirit just took all of those and just really opened my eyes to the truth of the gospel. And um, in summer of 94, I was uh, born again. Hallelujah. Well, great, great to hear that. I always love to hear uh, men's testimonies about how they came to Christ because uh, all our stories are a little different in how we do that. And, and it's yep. just amazing how God will reach down and touch each one of us. Well, our subject matter today uh, for your listening audience out there is apologetics. And both of these men that we have on our on, on the program today is very versed in that area. One of the things that, um, you know, when I sit back and I reflect a little bit on my life in church and I've been in church all my life. I mean, I grew up in church and uh, and I will have to say it's only been in the last decade, maybe two decades that I've been hearing this word thrown around a lot and talked about. And uh, and I know there's a lot of people in our churches who are confused by it. They, they don't fully understand what what we're talking about. And, um, and both of you are connected with the Coastal Apologetics Network in addition to Rosso Christi. And I believe you started that here in the, in the local area, which is dedicated to teaching and training uh, the local churches, pastors and ministry organizations and things of that nature. But before we really get into what all you do in that area, tell us about apologetics. What is, and I'm going to just throw this out there to both of you, so either one of you can answer or both of you. What is apologetics and why do we need to understand what it's all about? All right. Well, yeah, apologetics is a term. It does seem like it's gotten some sort of it's some sort of a revival in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, but basically, it's a term that means a defense. And it comes uh, from the Bible, from First Peter 315, where we're told to always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that's in you. 
with gentleness and respect. And that word defense is the Greek word apologia, where we get apology. So really it's just a defense or an explanation. So, uh, you know, anytime anybody asks us why we're a Christian, whatever comes out of our mouth after that is our apology or our defense, our reasons for why we're a Christian. Um, and so it's important because that means every Christian is an apologist. Um, we're all called to share why we believe what we believe. We're all been given that uh, ministry of reconciliation to help um, be God's ambassador. Second Corinthians five says um, that on behalf of God, we're to plead, be reconciled to God. And so um, we're all apologists. The, the question is, are we a good one? Or are we a poor one? And so um, it's, it's, the church should be involved in apologetics, whether they think that they should or not, uh, we're called to it. Yeah, and I, if I could just throw in one extra, maybe a point. Um, so it does seem, as Tom said, the last 20 years or so, there's been a real sort of resurgence in apologetics, but it's important to keep in mind, this is not a new concept. Um, Paul in Acts 17 is probably the best example of this when he's talking on Mars Hill to the Athenians, and he's giving reasons and evidences for the resurrection of Christ. He's giving an apology, a defense, as he's talking to the, Jew, uh, to the Jews, to the Greeks, to the philosophers of the day, to the, the secularists of the day back then. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been around for, I mean, literally thousands of years. Um, it has seen a resurgence in the last 20 years or so with the rise of the new atheism, back at the, really at the turn of the 21st century, when there was a real ramp up in sort of the, the new atheists with a lot of their books and criticisms of Christianity or theism. And so, but, uh, but yeah, it's not a new term, but it has sort of come back to life here in the last couple of decades. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you say? You know, one of the things I've heard people say when I've talked to them about apologetics and, and kind of explained to them is basically what you were just saying a little bit, probably not as eloquent as what you just did. But, uh, uh, I've had people look at me and say, I don't need to defend God. God can defend his own. How, how do you answer that individual? Well, just that God can defend himself. He could put a neon sign up in the sky, but he chooses to involve his children. Um, you know, could God save people on his own? Probably, but he chooses to have us be the mouthpiece and the ambassadors uh, to share the gospel. Um, and so, uh, so, so, yeah, God could have done it any uh, particular way, but our job isn't to second guess God. Our, our job is to see how God ordained that people would hear the good news of the gospel. And as luck would have it, we are the, the means that he wants to reach people with the gospel. And so that means if we're the means, we need to do the best job we can in communicating that. And a lot of times that means not just communicating what we believe, but if somebody pushes back on that, that we would also know enough the why we believe what we believe because we don't want people just blindly believing things. We want people to think through this and to think, you know what, that's true. And that's why I choose to believe that. Yeah. yeah. The other point I'll make is that that same argument, if that's true, then we shouldn't send anybody on the mission field. Oh, okay. we, shouldn't, we shouldn't witness to the guy at the grocery store or our nephew at the dinner table at Thanksgiving, right? Cause God can, God can handle it himself. He doesn't need our help, but yeah. nobody would ever take that approach, right? Nobody would ever say that's a valid approach. Yeah. So yeah, I think Tom's right. It's just another way to, to share the gospel. It just happens to be 
with reasons and evidence, working, letting the Holy Spirit work through, you know, believers in that way, right? Okay. Good. Yeah, that's a good answer. Good. Appreciate you sharing that. Well, let me ask you this. Um, both of you are very involved in the study and the and the teaching of apologetics. How did you get drawn into being uh, the experts? I'll call you the experts in the field of uh, 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 you're more of an expert than I am. I'll tell you that. But how did you get drawn into the field, this field of apologetics and teaching people apologetics? Uh, you know, I've known you guys for years. I, I, I was trying to think about today how 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 long I've known you guys, and I couldn't remember the first time I met you. So that must may not met you a long time ago. So uh, so how did you get drawn into this field of apolog apologetics? Um, yeah. So I don't know exactly if there's a specific reason um, why or how. Uh, I just started. Um, reading some books that dealt with apologetics, the reasons that underlie why we believe what we believe. So uh, we always have, we have our statement of faith, what Christians believe, you know, that Jesus, that God is, uh, um, you know, the triune God, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Um, all of the, that the Bible is the inerrant inspired word of God. We know all these things, but what I didn't realize is that beneath the surface of that, <clears throat> excuse me, there are reasons why we believe those things, why those things are true. And, um, and so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. So once I started reading these books that gave these reasons, that only made my faith grow stronger. The roots of my faith went down deeper. And so um, I felt more courageous, bolder in sharing the truth of the gospel rather than just having a list of Bible verses that I could give to people and throw at people. And then if they had some verses, then it would just be some, kind of some Bible ping pong back and forth. But if we believe that Christianity is true, that means it's rooted in truth. And that means everything in God's creation will bear witness to it and support it. And so as I read apologetics, it just strengthened my faith. Yeah. I, a similar, I had a similar experience. I guess about 2004 or five um, with uh, I was going through a very significant growth period, spiritual growth period with a man. I think both of you guys remember Dr. Bill Bennett. Oh, uh, absolutely. I was going through just this. I mean, just this incredible growth period in my spiritual walk. And and I'm not really sure how or why. Again, it's a little bit of a mystery as I think back on it. But I began to study philosophy, which I had never really spent much time studying. And I thought it was really interesting because. At the, you know, I had finished my, my PhD in 1999. I had a doctor of philosophy, but I never really knew what that meant. And I thought, well, this is kind of strange. I have this degree that I don't really even know what it means, really, you know. And so as I started to study philosophy, that naturally led me to theology and church history. And, and I think, you know, to Tom's point, it really began to open up. It really began to sort of bring together all the things that I had known spiritually now with with my understanding intellectually, and it really did strengthen my faith incredibly uh, to a point that it was just, it was hard to believe. And so um, it really was a fascinating journey and it, I'm, I'm, I'm still on it after 16 years. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was kind of a slow gradual process of just reading and studying and praying. Um, and, um, and, and, and it's just continued to go forward since then. Mm. Interesting. It's, it's amazing how God sometimes will take us and move us into certain areas that we 
never realized would be moved into. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can look back on my life on certain things, um, uh, even what we're doing here today, uh, talking to each other uh, through this medium. Uh, I would have not thought uh, even a year ago I would have been doing this. So it's, it's amazing what God will do sometimes in certain mm -hmm. situations. It's great. Why do I need to be involved in apologetics? Why do I need to be involved in, 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 in the study of apologetics as an individual? I'll go first. <laughs> um, I, think, I think Tom's maybe mentioned that earlier. So whether we realize it or not, we're all apologists. The mm -hmm. question is, are we doing it well or are we doing it poorly? Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, the same question would be, why do I need to witness to people? Mm -hmm. We're either witnessing well or we're witnessing poorly to people. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's I think the reason we need to do it is that it's God has commanded us to do it. I mean, plain and simple. Um, he has given us a mind to think and reason and discuss. He's given us rational faculties to be able to think. And I, 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 my sense is that he would never command us to do something that he's not equipped us to do. And clearly we have these capacities that he's given us. And so we can either choose to use them or not. Some mm -hmm. people have a gift of singing and they sing in the church choir, but some have a gift of singing and don't use their gift, right? So are you using the gifts you've been given? Are you using the, the, the you know, it's like the parable of the 10 talents, right? Are you, are you just burying it in the ground or are you actually doing something with it? Right. I think we're all called to at some, now, now to be clear, I'm not saying everybody, you know, needs to be a full-time apologist. Uh, what I'm saying is that everybody needs to have at least a basic understanding of why they believe what they believe so that when somebody comes up and genuinely asks them a question, they can at least give an apologia, a defense, and they may not have all the answers, but they know that the answers are out there and they can say, well, you know, that's a great question. I'm not really sure I know the answer, but I know somebody who does and, and point them to another person. So um, rather than just having no answer at all, and then the unbeliever walks away going, well, that, there must not be a whole lot to that Christianity thing. This guy can't even answer a, a simple question, right? Um, we, there's a lot of witnessing opportunities that are missed simply because we are not really as Christians prepared to give a defense. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why God commands it of us. Yeah. Okay. And then John mentioned, um, I think that uh, there's a, there's an offensive yeah. and a defensive yeah. aspect to apologetics. So the offensive is to know the reasons affirmatively for what we believe. So if somebody pushes us on, how do we know Jesus was fully God and fully man? We can point to those passages in scripture. How do we know Jesus really rose from the dead? We can point to scripture as well as we can. We have other historical and philosophical reasons that undergird that. And so that's the offensive. If we believe that the gospel really is the only means to eternal life and relationship with God, it behooves us to be able to be best equipped to explain it as clearly as we can to people so that they would find that uh, enticing and accept it. Uh, there's also a defensive aspect to it in that as Christians, it helps. We are called to counter bad theology or bad mm -hmm. ideas. And there are bad ideas out there. And so apologetics helps you to be able to respond to that. Again, like First Peter 3.15 says, with gentleness and respect, but still to respond. You know, Jesus was very gracious, but the Gospel of John tells us he was full of grace and truth. So he shared the truth gracefully. And so we should be equipped to uh, answer uh objections or ideas that are hostile to Christianity or even to uh, 
Christian ethics, especially nowadays when we when we see the issues of gender come up, when we see the issues of, uh, you know, pro-life and, and, you know, traditional marriage and a lot of the issues that we see in society today, um, not only are we called to give the correct answer, but we're also called to have an answer to those objections and to those, those uh, what we would call bad ideas. Yeah, that's good. And, and, and it's interesting that a lot of us uh, in the church don't really see the need for us to, to do that study. And I don't know why, uh, be honest with you. Uh, so what do you think? I, I think we talked a little bit about this earlier in some of your answers to your to questions I had earlier. But I'm just going to throw it out there again. Maybe you could dive more directly into it. And that is, what do you think is the most misunderstood about apologetics? What do you think is most misunderstood about that? Got an idea. I have one. You go first. And I'll... Well, okay. I, I hope I don't steal your, no, your answer. Up <laughs> <laughs> it's, like two, it's like two brothers fighting there. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, the one I've heard the most is, um, you know, you can't argue people into heaven, mm -hmm. right? You, you can't, you can't, you know, uh, you know, you can't logically argue and rationally argue people into heaven. Uh, I to that I would say first of all that's just false because I've actually seen that happen myself with students that we've had who ask good who were atheists and asked really good questions and over time as as we gave good answers and also defeated or showed the the, the bad thinking uh, in other areas they they eventually came to recognize the truth of Christianity now it's nothing we've done it's it's the Holy Spirit working in them but we we are. What's the verse the idea you use? Filling the potholes on the way to salvation, right? Mm -hmm. We're kind of making the road a little smoother so it's not so bumpy. Um, but, uh, but you know, look, I mean, if, if, if it's true that you can't argue people into heaven, then Paul was wasting his time on Mars Hill, giving evidence for the resurrection, right? Because mm -hmm. none of them, none of the Greeks and the Jews believed it, but he was giving the reasons for it. He was, he was engaging the culture. He was, you know, talking to, to, to Jews, he became Jews, to Greeks, he became Greeks became all things to all people so that the gospel might be proclaimed. He was, he was reaching them where they were. Um, and so, you know, again, although I will say it's important to that the gentleness and respect aspect, the gentleness and respect is a very important part because you don't want to be confrontational and hostile because that is going to turn people off in any uh, area of life. So you do want to do it in a thoughtful way. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there is, there can be some misconceptions about apologetics in that regard. Good. Got anything to add, Tom? Yeah, I mean, that's the, obviously the biggest knock against apologetics. And we are by no means saying that simply by presenting people with some facts that they can then be born again. Um, it's, it's the Holy Spirit of God that convicts somebody of their sin, that opens their eyes to the truth of the gospel. But how does he do that? Just in our testimonies alone, it was through the witness of a female who later became our wives that God used as the instrumentality to share the truth of the gospel. So for some people, it's intellectual arguments. And especially on the college campus, students are being given um, intellectual disinformation um, that's hostile to Christianity and to the truth of Christianity. And so uh, what we have to do is we have to combat that with the truth, with intellectual arguments. And God will take all that and do what he does to spiritually uh, bring somebody from death to life and to take their heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. That's nothing that any human being can do. But 
Um, there are things that we can do that God can use us to do in the process of bringing them to eternal life. Uh, the, the quote that John mentioned was actually from a, um, a professor of mine at Biola. He says that apologetics fills the potholes on the road that leads to the house of salvation. Mm. So um, basically, whether somebody is introduced to apologetics or not, if not, God can still draw them. It's going to be a bumpier road. You know, they may have to hit rock bottom. They may, you know, have drug addiction or something where they're at the bottom looking up and then God saves them. But if we're filling those potholes with good answers, you know, how do we know Jesus rose from the dead? Well, we can give you good answers. How do we know the Bible is the word of God? We can give you good answers. Then that's a lot smoother road for the Holy Spirit to draw somebody to knowledge of the gospel and knowledge of, of God. So it doesn't save somebody. Apologetics doesn't save somebody, but it can give them answers so that they say, you know what? I don't have any more questions. I think the Christianity is true. And then they repent of their sins and place their faith in Christ. And God is the one that, um, you know, that causes them to be born again, not any apologist or anyone who gave them some good argument. Mm, okay. We appreciate, appreciate you sharing that. Let's turn to the church a little bit as, as a um, uh, as a whole, the international church or the national church or uh, however you want to look at it, the universal church. What do you think? Um, you, you, well, you know, today's culture is just it's just wild. It's, it's just things are happening in the culture today like we've never seen before in any of our lives. And. Uh, probably never thought. I know Dr. Jeremiah a number of years ago wrote a book, never thought I'd see, and he went and discussed, discussed a number of things. And, and I'd have to say right now, I never thought I would see a lot of the things that we're seeing in, their, in, in our culture today. Um, what do you think is the biggest obstacle in our church today when it comes to apologetics and it comes to uh, living the, uh, the life that we are, we need to live, you know, so that we can be the light on that, on that, on that hill uh, to the people of this world. What's the biggest obstacle we, we have to deal with? Um, well, I think it's, and it's kind of tied to what you asked us before, um, but I think it's tied to this idea that Christianity and religion has to do with the heart um, and apologetics has to do with the head. And these two okay. are separate, right? Okay. So with apologetics, we just sit around, drink coffee, smoke pipes, and talk about all these philosophical things. Whereas with the church, it's all about the heart and how you feel. Do I feel close to God? Um, and sadly, that's the way a lot of the direction a lot of our churches are going, uh, where it's all about, it's even with a lot of churches, it's not even about what does the Bible say, but it's about what do you feel that God is telling you? Um, and so it's this, it's, the heart and the and the head are being divorced rather than God created our mind. We're supposed to love him with all our mind. God created our heart. We're supposed to love him with all our heart, basically our whole being and our head and our heart work together. It's like the verse that John mentioned, Romans 12, two, as our mind is transformed to the truth, then our heart tends to tends to follow that. And so I think that a lot of times the church doesn't embrace the importance of apologetics because they don't see the connection. They feel they see heart, they see head. And they're like, if we have a choice, we definitely want to go with the heart because God's all about the heart. Love is all about the heart. And so it becomes a religion of feeling and emotion, which can become really dangerous because then it's very subjective. 
rather and not based in objective truth. Yeah, and I think even the language that we that we use in church, give your heart to Jesus, right? I mean, that's a very common phrase when you're witnessing or sharing the gospel. Even the language we use really reflects sort of the emotion, the feelings, the heart. And, and we don't downplay the importance of that because certainly God has made us as, as you know, passionate, emotional creatures, but he's also made us as rational, thoughtful, intellectual beings, right? And right. so, um, yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. The, uh, that's probably been a carryover from, you know, the last few hundred years of the early revivals and the tent revivals where there was a very strong push toward you know, the uh, sort of the emotional response to Christianity and to the Holy Spirit, which again, God can save people through uh, stirring of their heart and their emotion, um, but he can also reach people through the mind. And and in fact, they work together. And so, yeah, I, I think you're right. It's, there has been a, the church has been sort of propagating this divorce of heart and mind. Um, and I think that's really led to, uh, you know, difficulty in trying to reunite these. I think, you know, when you look back at, at the history of Christianity, the Puritans and before them, they were all about the mind and the heart working together. And they were some of the most godly people, you know, that you'll ever read about or study. Um, many of the greatest, you know, theologians and, and Christian philosophers in history recognized the importance of heart and mind. Pascal, who's one of my favorite writers, I mean, he, he writes about it extensively how the heart and mind work together. And so yeah, I think we're kind of missing half of the equation in some cases today. Um, and and I think that's making the church not as effective as it could be. Um, and so, and it can lead to sub subjectivism where you're like, well, this is just how I feel. Um, but if you don't have this feeling, well, then I, you know, there's not much I can say to you because you know I, I can't really question your feelings. I can't tell you how you should feel. And so people walk away saying, well, I, you know, I don't feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saved or Jesus loves me or Jesus existed. And so, and they kind of let that substitute for good thinking and good evidence. And that's where the mind comes into play, right? So I think they need to work together uh, to really be effective. And I, I think that's a good point, Tom. Yeah, I do. I, I recently heard a pastor talk a little bit on this and, and, um, um, and the fact that uh, one of the things that's really uh, integrated itself into the church in a lot of respects is what the, you hear a lot of people saying these days, and that is your truth. What is your truth? You know, and um, and and so we know, but we know that our truth doesn't matter. It's just a it's just an opinion, and the real truth is the Word of God is what's there, and that's what we need to. And, and people are getting disassociated with that in so many ways, from the mind and the heart and mm -hmm. so forth. They're more into the feel good feel good aspect of Christianity, and not the deep intellectual part of Christianity which is where we really uh, we really need to go. Well, let's talk about let's talk about your respective ministries a little bit. I know both of you are involved in both uh, Coastal Apologetics Network and Russo Christian. Let's tell our audience a little bit about each one of those. Let's start with Russo Christian a little bit first and talk about, uh, if you can, about how that got started, if you could, just a little history about it, just a few minutes, just a couple of minutes. And, uh, and how can people get involved in Russo Christian? And then we'll go to... Coastal Apologetic, uh, Coastal Apologetic Network. After that, so which one of you want to talk about, Tom? Since you're the, I guess since you're the chapter director in the right. Milton area, why don't you share a little bit about that? Okay, so Ratio Christi is Latin for the Reason of Christ, 
Um, ratio, R-A-T-I-O is just Latin. You see it in words like rational. So it just has to do with reason. And so it's it's the reasons for Christ or the reasons for the truth of Christianity. And so it started, I think, back in 2008 at Appalachian State, of all places. Wow. Um, some students were challenged um, in a literature class. Uh, the literature teacher held up a Bible and said, of course, we know that this doesn't contain truth, that basically truth is what you bring to the text. There's no objective truth in the text. Um, and so the, the Christian that was in that class realized that this was a problem. And so wound up getting together with some other students. Eventually that club, um, they approached Southern Evangelical Seminary, uh, which was founded by Norman Geisler in Charlotte and said, hey, can, can this kind of be under the umbrella of SES? And then eventually there was a politician out of Chicago who saw um, Ratio Christie, saw this idea and said, you know what, we need this. Um, this is just a movement waiting to happen. We need this on our college campuses. And so it spread and it's probably on about 160 campuses around the country. Uh, it's in the Philippines and South America. It's in several um, uh, foreign countries. And basically it's just uh, giving reasons for why Christianity is true. Um, because on our college campuses, this idea is being challenged in all, at all age levels and in all spheres, but it's probably not being challenged as fiercely anywhere else than it is on the college campus where students um, who grow up in a Christian home will go to college. And uh, the Barna studies say that up to you know, 70% of students that grow up in a Christian school uh, or a Christian home will walk away from their faith um, at the end of their college years. And the number one reason is intellectual doubt. They're being challenged by atheistic agnostic professors, um, a university that is so steeped in pluralism that it can't, it can't agree that there's any one truth and everybody has their own truth. Mm. And so when students are confronted with that, that really causes their foundations of faith to shake unless they get to college with a very, very, very strong foundation of faith, which sadly most aren't. And so basically, Ratio Christi just wants to come along, these Christian students, support them and say, I know you're being challenged in this class and in this class and from this club, but there are good, re there are good reasons for that why Christianity is true. There are good answers to a lot of these objections that you're hearing. And so we want to help them grow in their faith as well as we welcome in non-Christians to our meetings because we want them to throw their toughest question, their toughest objection against Christianity at us. And if we believe it's true, then we believe it can withstand these tough questions and objections. And so, um, and we've seen uh, uh, non-Christians come to faith in Christ by having some of these objections addressed. And then that in combination with a loving, welcoming, uh, non-judgmental community, uh, God's used that uh, in order to, to bring people to faith in Christ. Amen. And and how would somebody get up with uh, you or a uh, or Rasha Christie in, in, in itself uh, to to learn more or to get uh, involved? Well, uh, so it is an international ministry, and their website is ratiochristi.org, and that's R A T I O like ratio 
then Christy with an I, C-H-R-I-S-T-I dot org. And so that'll uh, tell you about the ministry. You can uh, scroll through and find out where all of the campus chapters are. Um, you can also contact me directly. It's just my name, Tom Jasky, T-O-M-J-A-S-K-I at org. And I'd be glad to answer any questions or try to point you in the, in the right direction. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, Tom, for sharing that. <laughs> Well, John, I'm going to turn to you on the next one on this uh, Coastal Apologetics Network. That's a fairly new organization, if I'm not mistaken. And you are, uh, well, you know, I, I introduced you as the executive director, but when I look at the website, it calls you the president also. So I'm not sure what to call you, you know. Sure and, uh, but, if you, but if you share a little bit about Coastal Apologetics Network and uh, what you do and, and how people can get involved with, uh, with the network. So. Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I think sort of tagging on what Tom had talked about with Rocio Christie came to UNCW in 2011. And um, after a number of years and really outstanding period of growth with new students, um, we started they started hosting conferences. They had the first one, I think, in 2016. Um, we started to see uh, we started to get a lot of inquiries from people in the community, churches, church leaders, uh, people in the general public, how can I get involved in apologetics? And what we started to realize was that while Rachio Christie focuses on the campus, the university and campus environment, that we needed an organization that would sort of do the same thing, but off campus, outside of campuses. Mm -hmm. um, and so in the local community. So really that's what CAN, Coastal Apologetics Network is. It's basically the same thing that Rachio does, but just outside the campus. And so we reach out to churches and youth groups and pastoral groups and to say, hey, if you want some training in apologetics or you want us to speak or come visit with you or talk to your, your youth group, um, we can do that uh, because we are especially positioned to support outside of the campus environment. Um, and so, yeah, it was founded, I guess, in 2018 um, as, a, as its own standalone 501c3 uh, nonprofit ministry. Um, many of the folks at Rocio Christie volunteer and support it. Uh, and likewise, I support them uh, at Rocio Christie. So we're very, very closely tied together because uh, we have we share a lot of common uh, elements you know, of our ministries. Right. Um, and so that's that's become a very effective tool. Um, we've had some opportunities to go and reach out to churches in the last couple of years. Um, the response has been somewhat mixed. There are some churches that are very active very actively wanting to go down the road of pursuing apologetics for their congregation, for their youth group, especially um, for the students that are getting ready to go to college. Um, and then there are others that maybe, as we talked about earlier, maybe are a little not quite sure what to make of this apologetics thing and not really sure what it's all about. So we're trying to do our best to reach out to the community, things like the Coastal Apologetics Network Conference that we just had. Yeah I, wanted, yeah, I wanted you to talk a little bit about that because I yeah. think did that two to three weeks ago or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I wish yeah. we had had you all on before that, but it didn't work out that way. But yeah. at any rate, uh, yeah. share yeah. a little well, bit. Yeah. And that's, we've had, we just did our third annual conference. We bring in guest speakers. And then we had Frank Turek, who's fantastic. And we had Josh McDowell a couple of years ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really good. Uh, uh, Michael Brown this past year. So we're trying to bring in sort of named speakers to come in and we also have breakout sessions. And again, the idea is just to try to reach the, the Wilmington and really the Southeastern area community to sort of get the idea of apologetics out there um, off the campus. I mean, not, it's extremely important on campus, as Tom said, that's probably the, 
primary battleground these days. Um, but it, but we're starting to see the same ideas that are really dominant in the universities, like secular humanism and Marxism, are now starting to penetrate into the churches. Are now starting mm -hmm. to penetrate outside of the campus. Right. So that is our goal: is to really get the churches ready, get pastors ready to say, "Hey." This is coming. We already see it on the university campuses and it's coming to you. You need to get ready for this. So that's really the sort of the, the idea behind CAN, behind Coastal Apologetics Network. Um, yeah, if, if anyone's interested, you can email me at coastalapologetics uh, uh, at gmail.com. We have a Gmail address, coastalapologetics at gmail.com. Um, or, or, or you can just email me um, individually, uh, johnfzeno at gmail.com. Either one of those. Okay. Well, guys, I appreciate it. We're coming up on our time right now that we need to close out. And I appreciate uh, the information you provided. You've given us quite a bit to think about. And I hope our listeners will take to heart uh, what you have shared. And we'll reach out to uh, both of you uh, in the respective areas and uh, uh, learn more about apologetics and why it's all so important for us to be able to defend the faith, so to speak, and be able to uh, sh and share the gospel in the in the process of being able to do that, understanding and and I, I really like what you were talking about, Tom, earlier about the heart and the mind, melding those two back together uh, because they have been being separated in so much, especially in our culture today, of uh, not only loving the God with our mind and or loving the God with our heart, but loving our uh, loving our God with our heart, mind, and soul. And it, it's it's important for us to be able to do that. So, guys, if you uh, um, uh, out there listening, audience, I want to encourage you to reach out to John uh, uh, Zeno and Tom Chasky and Rosha Christie and uh, Can uh, Coastal Apologetics Network. I think you would be very pleased with the information they will give you. Uh, they will answer any of your questions, and uh, and I hope you will do that. Tom, John. Thank you for uh, being with us today. I appreciate all the information you shared to us. Thanks a lot, Thanks, Mike. Mike. Appreciate it. Okay. If you all would like to know anything more about what we do here at Cape Fear Men in this podcast, you can contact me at capefearmen at gmail.com. So join me next time on Intentional Conversations with Mike. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin. Intentional Conversations is a production of Cape Fear Men, a men's ministry coalition located in Hampstead, North Carolina. To learn more about Cape Fear Men and how Cape Fear Men can help you reach the men of your church, go to capefearmen.net. You'll also find information about possibly having Mike come to speak to your church's men or to your church. Again, go to capefearmen.net, then click on Booking. We hope you enjoyed this program. Mike would like to ask you to do two things. Number one, share this program with a friend. And number two, consider helping us keep these broadcasts coming to you by donating to Cape Fear Men. You can donate by going to capefearmen.net and clicking on the Donate button at the top of the page. You can also text the word CAPE to 50155. Cape Fear Men is a 501c3 organization and all donations are tax deductible. Thank you in advance for any donations. If you have other questions, drop us an email at capefearmen at gmail.com. Again, Intentional Conversations is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Now, as a beloved mentor used to say to Mike after finishing their time together, 
I pray God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you. Join us next time on Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin. God bless.